Bearcat Bounce Podcast, back at it again. As always, it is I, Brent Young, bringing you joy on this beautiful Monday. Guys, it's almost March. I don't know about you. March is one of my favorite times of the year. It's It's been one throughout my entire life. I've been able to enjoy my favorite team partaking in the greatest sporting event in history. But uh, you know what? We have to talk about what's been happening currently. That means I need to welcome on Aaron Smith and Chad Brendel. Aaron, Chad, gentlemen, how are we? Did you just say talk about? Is that what happened? We got to talk about. We got to talk about it. Are you, yeah, a little. Are you, are you from New York? All of a sudden, a little bit of my New Jersey accent just came out there. We, we got to talk about it. <laughs> which I apologize. Sometimes the plane <laughs> comes in. Apologize, but how are we, gents? How are we? Pretty I mean, weather was fantastic today. It was. The Bearcats didn't lose today. Did we check every sport? I. I... <laughs> I uh, I uh, I I went I went to go get something this morning, got in my car, backed out of my driveway. Something didn't seem right. Uh oh. The alert popped up on my uh my screen. So you tire pressure low, rear passenger tire pressure zero. Zero. I pulled back into the driveway. It's a damn screw about that big in my tire. So I spent a good portion of the morning and afternoon dealing with that, but it's taken care of now. Did you luckily did it was you, it, it was patched? So was there didn't have to get a new one? That wasn't a reason to head over to uh Danco to transmission. Danco. I, I was going to, but then AAA took care of it, so I I didn't have to. Well, so but nice. you know what? Sometimes if you do need Danco. Oh, I was headed head there. there. I was headed there if I if I was gonna gonna need to. But for and you know what you could have done, you could have gotten fifty four dollars off of a uh, any work on your vehicle over one hundred dollars. Fifty four is surprising. That felt like a four dollar and seventy three cents discount. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> yep, yep, yep. Fifty four dollars. Pretty good. Pretty good. $54. See, you guys should have listened to us a month ago when you were getting like $80 off of your, your Danco. Wasn't there a 90 in there? Did uh, you see there a niner? Was, there was a 90 Tulsa. Yeah. You could have gotten was, $90 off if you'd have listened to us over a month and a half ago. Sadly, 54 is the lowest dollar amount all season. And... uh Equally, the lowest scoring total for the Bearcats this season as well. But yeah, I, what a little screw in the tire, just get it get it patched up. You're all good. Ready to rock? Yeah, wasn't a, wasn't a great morning, but you know, we bounced back. I had a day off yesterday. That was nice. Oh, I have a new addiction. What's that? Lindor truffles. The Lindor truffles. I've never had one until yesterday. Oh, okay. That was my first time. So we went to the outlet mall, birthday present shopping for Kelly. Uh, there was a chocolate store. So I've got a wife and a daughter. Of course, we ended up in the chocolate store. Uh, and they had a, a sale on Lindor truffles. So we bought a big bag of them. Those things are addicting. Like, they're a problem. Okay. And uh, 
The problem is I think my wife and daughter are going to be like, hey, we're going to need to go, you know, 50 minutes back to the outlet mall to get some more by like the weekend. <laughs> Did you have, have, have you come up with the power rankings yet? Not yet. We're still working through the bag. And the problem is um, they had a hundred for $30, right? Okay. So they're just in the bag. Like, all of them mixed together. Some of them have the like the label on it, what it is. Mm. Most of them don't. So that's like a it's a surprise every time. You got to open it up, see if it's dark chocolate, milk chocolate, white chocolate, and then you got to figure out what's in the middle. Uh, so that's it. But it's kind of like that's the fun of it, right? I, that that is that. You know, I just I I pulled up the uh, the old Lindor look, and I mean, yeah, you got some. Got some pretty good options. I'm a dark chocolate oh. guy, if I'm going to be honest with you. We're we talking we, about we that got a bunch there. of dark chocolate. We got a bunch of dark chocolate. Some milk chocolate. The white chocolate ones. There's a blueberry. Had a oh. white chocolate. And then mm -hmm. like a blueberry cream filling. Oh. Oh, wow. The snickerdoodle. Very good. A snickerdoodle. Wow. Yeah. Snickerdoodle truffles. How do you, how do you make that a truffle? Well, you just you do white chocolate, and then the cream in the middle is snickerdoodle fla snickerdoodle flavored. So just like cinnamon cookie. Yeah. Nice. It's pretty good. I'm it's intrigued. Good. <laughs> I'm telling you, dude. Like these are a problem. Like there's just we got two bags of fifty. So we got a hundred truffles. We gave some to her mom, but there has been a serious dent put in these two bags of truffles in twenty eight hours. It's a problem. So pro Kelly already told me we'd like get get them out of my face. Like we, we have to <laughs> we have to put these away so that I don't see them. And uh, yeah, they're pretty good. So that's where I'm at. I had an awesome off day. Like I I don't get real off days very often. I made mm -hmm. two work phone calls the entire day. One of them was to Aaron. Um, the other I, I can't can't disclose. Uh, you guys aren't privy to that information, but those are the only two work calls I made all day. So like, that's the closest to an off day. I think I've had in eight months. It's nice. Wow. It's very nice. Well, it's a Mongolian barbecue, big Mongolian barbecue fan. Okay. We'll take it. That was our day. And some galactic fried chicken. And wow. Just pile it on by, top. Well, we like, we were coming home and we just stopped by and got some galactic to go. Right, and then brought it home and and had of course. it for dinner. Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, you taste so good. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Are 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 we revealing that or is no? Is that... We're working on it. The re research and development, R and D phase. Okay, that was just Aaron doing his best uh, Peyton Manning impression. Yeah. It was pretty good. Pretty good <laughs> um, but yeah, it, you know, you mentioned the weather, Aaron. It was fantastic today. Yeah. Golf weather, golf weather, if you will. You know, or even if you won't. Well, I think we shall. But <laughs> a lot of people were raining on some parades, and uh, those people, including the uh, South Florida Bulls, I, you know, Brian Gregory might have planted that screw right behind your tire, Chad. On uh, well, why Friday would he, he should have been in a good mood yesterday? What's he need to flatten my tire for? Well, he did it pregame because he was just oh. expecting, you know, it was just a. You know, back to his dating days, but yeah, <laughs> I I digress. It was a uh, Saturday night was interesting, and uh, you you know what? A quick aside, my Sunday was pretty bad. Lost my car keys on Saturday night during the frustration after the game. 
had to buy, you know, get the get the guy to come out and make me a new key. But hey, you know what? Different story for a different time. Today we got to talk about a. How uh, many white claws did you have? Oh, I I was I was definitely Aaron. Aaron on the, uh, <laughs> recap level. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> of course, uh, but no, uh, man, a baby hook buzzer beater is not something that you say very often, but that is the outcome of the game on Saturday night, senior night ending in a very sad moment. Uh, one that you can't really draw up. You can't really imagine that a 7-20 South Florida Bulls team coming into the game. They had lost, I think, nine in a row. We had two conference wins. Their their lone road victory of the entire year was at Hawaii at the Diamond Head Classic. I, you know, it just all the different superlatives piled on. It stunk. It was bad. It was bad. Um, you know, the sad thing is, like, even if the Bearcats win that game, I'm sure we're kind of talking a similar tune today because good about it. Yeah, it, it, South Florida didn't play well. It's not like you know they came in, they shot lights out, and all of a sudden, well, I guess they Second shot lights out. Second half four seven for them. Yeah. That's as lights out as it gets. Right, considering how bad they are, that's pretty lights out for them. But you know, I, I guess big picture for both of you guys, Aaron. I'm going to start with you because you were, you were up in the stands. I wasn't. What? Oh, no, he wasn't. He's he stayed in Athens. I avoided in it. Athens. Even even better. Did you pop on the uh, ESPN Plus? Saw yeah, I uh, put it on. Put it on the uh, on TV. There we go. Okay, so you you were able to get the was it was it Noonan and and Kevin Johnson on the call? Was that who who we had there? I know. Yeah, wasn't Noonan. It was somebody else. Okay, I know it was KJ. KJ yeah. KJ wearing like a USF. Blazer, I saw some, some sort yeah, of a. I couldn't even yeah. see him. It was black, <laughs> black, green, and yellow. <laughs> I don't know what he was wearing, man. I don't know what that guy does. <laughs> hey, but you know, I don't co-sign him. any of it. We love him, but I, uh, I would love if you could get Micah Adams Woods' name correct. Micah Adam Woods. I mean, he's only been here for three years now. Does he? So. He puts the hyphen at the wrong spot. He, he just no, uh, just uh, there's no S. It's there's singular. No it's Adam Woods. Mike, uh, Adam Woods. It's singular. Oh, it's all good. It's all there's... good. But Aaron, from the comfort of your couch, yeah, you that was about the only thing comfortable watching that game. Sadly, you didn't get to see the best part of the whole night, but we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, but what kind of was big picture as the minutes, seconds were ticking away? that you were able to draw or, I don't know, thoughts going through your head as possibly one of the worst losses in fifth third arena history took place on Saturday? Uh, what the hell? That was it. Like, I don't know. I mean, I go back to people earlier this season talking about the Illinois win and the Arkansas close loss and just more and more how that looks like just a giant anomaly for what the rest of the season was. I mean, you go back to not true. Uh, uh, you you go back to the beginning of uh, of conference play, and this team was what eleven and three, I think. And since <sighs> no ten and three, ten and three. Sorry, and and since they're seven and nine, it's not been 
conference play has not been fun. I don't I don't think any of us expected seven and nine in conference play, but this goes back to when we were discussing is this team gonna be 15 to 17 wins, 18 to 19 wins, 20 plus. And they started conference play, what, four and two? Oh, I am not gonna I am not gonna agree with that at all. I think they were they were 14 and five at one point heading into what that game at Temple. Yeah. And then heading into February, they're 15 and six. So they were still way above schedule. It wasn't it wasn't one of those preseason predictions where you're you're acting like January didn't happen. February has been a disaster, but you're no, acting no. like January didn't happen, Aaron. I I'm just right, saying exactly. all the wheels fell off. All of them. Not one, all of them. Okay, but that's not what you said. You said there has they haven't done anything well since the Illinois game. No, I'm not saying that. That's I'm not just true. saying that that, that no, that's game. exactly what you said. No, it's that, an aberration. It is an aberration. That, that's so SMU was also an aberration. That's that's a team that's second place S- in the conference. SMU's been playing different since that game, too. They were playing great before it, too. They, they won were, eight in a row coming into that game. Since they had a five-game stretch in January where they were probably the hottest shooting team in the country. And the way that they were playing, I'd, I'd put them up there to beat any team in the conference, except for Memphis and Houston. But I, I don't know. They were playing lights out in January. And then, I don't know. It's uh, It has not been the same at all. When Honestly, that road trip at the end of January kind of was the – the beginning when things started to turn, the the ice cold shooting at Temple, and then you follow that up. Game was when when things went south. Yeah, yeah, the ice cold shooting, and then at ECU they probably should have lost that game. You know, you get the David DeJulius rebound and put back for the game winner. I mean, ever since then it's just those two games, and then all of February has been tough. I mean, the Wichita win was was one that they were they found their stroke again in the first half and built a lead that was. Proved to be impossible for the Shockers to come back and, and and avenge. And then, of course, the other win in February was against South Florida at South Florida. And we just saw that, I don't know, maybe they're a coin flip at this point with them. So, I don't know. They definitely sh- showed more glimpses than that trip to Kansas City throughout the season. But since February, I don't, I, I don't recognize certain pieces of the team. Well... February, you said it, Brent. The only game they played well was Wichita State. Right. In February. Right. Because they didn't play. I mean, they won 70 to 59 against South Florida down in Tampa, but I had a season high 19 turnovers in that game. Yeah. That was not a game I'd, I'd walk out of saying they played well. It's South Florida, uh, man. Like, people don't understand how bad South Florida bad. is. They're really bad. Really. Bad. Like, that's, I don't, I don't break out the adjectives all that often. You can't. Again, Brad, you're you're wrong. Like it, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. They, they like everybody. Like you're letting what has happened in the past month cloud your judgment of what happened before that. Have all of them been pretty? No, but that's not how sports work. You don't. You win and you get on the plane. Like, but their win over SMU was pretty. Their win over Wichita State. For the most part, pretty. Um, Illinois win was pretty. The, they beat the piss out of Tulsa. That was pretty. That win was they, very pretty. They played pretty. well at Wichita State. It was a close game. Um, yeah, it, it just like everybody's. Everybody is. Uh, 
in their feelings right now. And I get it. Your favorite team's not playing well. Like, but but let's not throw the baby out for the bathwater because everybody's frustrated over a, 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 a tough end to the season. The, the, there's nobody saying they've played well. There's nobody claiming that what has happened in February uh, has been aesthetically pleasing, mentally pleasing. Like, not, it's been bad. But that doesn't mean everything that happened up until then doesn't count. I, I, but like, from what, when you watch all this play out, the reality is the Temple game was the template that really kind of pushed this thing over the edge where they, you know, just be physical. And then, and then you couple that when they played Memphis, when Memphis started running and jumping or high hedging, blitzing to Julius to get the ball out of his hands. You know, it's funny. You know, it's crazy. This is how. This is how, yeah, they almost lost to freaking Ashland in a game that was put together in like three hours, Case. Three hours. Like, <sighs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to struggle to keep my composure tonight because people have lost their damn minds. Um, the worst thing, it's, it's funny, like this is how basketball works sometimes, right? The worst thing that could have happened was to Julius having that run of like what four straight games in the twenties. Yeah, yeah because did. then everybody was like, "Oh, take him out, they're dead." Right, and and that's what's happened since then. Uh, yeah. They're not that. They're not that. The talent level isn't that good. Um, I think they definitely overachieved earlier in the year. Um. And and this is something I this like one of the main things I wanted to get into. When you look at like veteran teams, right, and teams that have been in a system, and teams that know how like what their coach expects of them, what the what the process is, they don't struggle in in February and and towards the end of the season because they have those reps built up over three and four years, they have, you know, guys that have been, um, I hate, I don't, like there's war references you use here that I don't want to use given the current situation that's going on. But like you have, you have guys that you want your soldiers that have been in the, in the system for three and four years. Like, you know, the, the, the new guys, or the guys that you're just getting accustomed to things, it's hard to have those guys at the front line. And when you look at, let's see, they have played February 9th, 12th, 15th, 17th, 20th, 23rd, 26th. So, what, 15, 16 days? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven games in 17 days. You know what it's really hard to do when you have to play that many games in that short of a, a rapid fire like right. progression? You can't practice. And teams that are old, teams that have been through this over and over and over again together, right? 
they are better built to survive the inability to be on the practice floor, not only to prepare for your next opponent, right? Scouting report, getting time with your coaches, but also to work on, okay, our defense is struggling. So let's get out there and have a day where we focus on our defense. Let's get out there and have a day where we go back through our motion offense or we go back through here's three or four or five sets that we really need to fine tune that we think are, you know, let's add, let's add a wrinkle. Let's add, you know, two options off of that play because teams are looking and and scouting you. So your plays become known, right? That everybody knows what you're running. So when you have practice time, you can say, okay, let's dedicate today, the first first 40 minutes today, of we're gonna we're gonna build a couple options off of our core plays to keep the opponent guessing because they're anticipating what we're doing. Like they're they're breaking down every time we've ran this play. And they know, all right, here's what they're in. The ball's either going to go here. The ball's going to go there. Here's where the screen's going to happen. Like, you're not surprising anybody with anything. And if you don't have practice time, it's very difficult to fine-tune counters, options. Like, you don't you don't get that. It's one thing to play all these games in a short period of time in December, way different from February. Absolutely. And, and what generally happens in December like late November, early December, when you're playing these these tournaments and all that stuff, right? And then you get like, okay, here's five days off. And, and you know, what, the Camp Cal, what they call it in Kentucky, where once you're out of class, you get unlimited practice time. You get five days off. You can spend two or three of those days on skill development and going through your plays and going through your defense and, and your options on defense. This team's not getting that right now. And where it hurts is they're a team with limited talent. We've talked about that for a while. Well, if you have limited talent, you really need the practice time, right? You really need that time in your gym with your coaches saying, this is exactly how we're going to win this game. This is exactly what we need to do to win this game. And they're not getting that right now because – you're dealing with travel. What? How many of these games? Uh, only go one, like road, two, road trips, then home. Three. Yeah, like it, you know, so half of the games have been on the road. Um, you go back to starting basically with Houston. Um, Houston on the road, South Florida on the road, Tulsa on the road. Then they had the three-game homestand, but other than the three-game homestand. Only one of the games has been at home, and that was last night. That all throughout said, the month of February. My only point at the beginning was just to say that beating a top fifteen team was the aberration. It wasn't the norm. It wasn't what this team is night in and night out, regardless of practice. So yeah, well, it wasn't in, in November because nobody had any tape on them. My point though is simply that it's a middle of the pack team. Like we we just never really got yeah. over that hump. So. I mean, I, 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 I wouldn't argue that. I would argue your point that the only good game they played was Illinois. 
I said it was it was it's it's not the norm though. It is my point. It's we we beat Illinois. It very much was the norm until they got to February. They're 15 and 6. 11 games over 500 is pretty good, Aaron. I understand. Is it not? But look at the schedule at that point. Okay, they almost beat Arkansas. I understand. When, again, to your point, that they didn't have tape. You had tape, but also five games in. Five games in against Illinois, you've got to have some sort of a semblance to know what this team is that you're playing. I don't – if it's the very first game of the year, you can come out and surprise people. But, I mean, this is – Cincinnati started five and zero. Oh, that's going to turn on the blinkers a little bit, and have you focus a little, little bit more intently. And then, of course, Arkansas as well. They might have been scheming a little bit to play Illinois that next game, but still, when they, I, yes, I understand as the season wore on, which which kind of brings a question to me, and, and this was kind of mentioned in my, in my friend group as well, is do you give the same credit? Because obviously, we've talked about talent lack thereof as the season's progressed and, and teams being able to adjust to what these players on the team have been their strengths and what they were able to use in the first couple of months so far in the year. But would you give a nod to the coaching staff for being able to put game plans together and put, put players in the right positions during that beginning strong stretch and strong run to start the season? And then as the teams adjusted to it, the opposition, then you started to see the talent deficiencies a little bit more. I think so if, I you're give, the, if you're giving them credit for doing that, then you also have to give them credit for the losses, though. Right. Right. Well, yes, but also, I mean, at some point, you, you can make adjustments as much as you want. But when when, when you hit a certain level and, and the talent is kind of tapped out for the time being, I, I mean, you could tell people to do a thousand different things. But if the talent can't get those things done, in the same sense, yes, you want to you, you want to be able to instill things that put them in the perfect position to get buckets or perfect position to raise their confidence and, and have a have a couple go in and, and a couple of defensive plays here and there. But at some point, you got you got to be able to have that second layer of talent to be able to go to your secondary option and your third option when well, the that's first the point one is it's, it's David DeJulius and Jeremiah Davenport, and you know if you if you really want to dig into South Florida. Those two are four of 19. They combined for 14 points. Right. When that happens, this team's not going to win. But right. it, <laughs> We finally got the June, the John Newman game we've been begging for, but it happened mm-hmm. where he, he had 11 yeah. and 8 as the leading scorer. Like, that's that's not where you want John Newman to be. No knock on John Newman. That He's the glue guy. No, no, but, but that is but where you want him to be, but not in that hierarchy. If the Julius top. has 18 and, and Davenport right. has 15 – and Newman has eleven and eight. Correct. Cincinnati wins that game by eight. It's fourteen points. You want which him to there be- have been games in the past which were like that, right? right. That's when they're scoring seventy, been- eighty points. Right, right. Which is which shows that this team's capable of that. But honestly, those are happening when they were hitting crazy numbers on their three point shots, and they were being extremely effective on offense. And we've just seen that completely go away except for against Wichita State when the shots were falling again. Um well again teams ground them to a halt because they said right. we're taking the ball out of David and Julius's hands. Yep. What can you do on offense if we take the ball out of his hands? The answer? Not much. <laughs> Not much. Fire up a 30 footer. <laughs> well they they don't have anybody that can score with their back to the basket. Right. 
They struggled to finish at the rim, although they they did a pretty good job against South Florida, uh, or at least better than they had, although they started ter- terribly. Right. Um, but again, like, go back to UCF. I know this is painful. I honestly don't think Cincinnati has had nine dunks in the entire conference portion of the season and going still, on two months. I still challenge that they've had nine dunks th- for the year. Well, I, I, I take out some of the, the cupcakes, like, because you're going to get a steal and like, you know, open court, uncontested, whatever. I, I know you say that. I just don't remember them. <clears throat> okay. But I know Newman's had a fair amount. Yeah, I, I'd have oh, to yeah. think about it. But what four? What do you consider a fair consider amount? Like three. Oh no, I'm, oh, oh no, I'm talking about the entire year. I'm saying that yeah, they so add up to over nine. They they add up to over nine throughout the Newman year. by himself. No, I'm saying the whole team. Yeah, oh. I'm talking in conference play. I'm guessing it's around nine. Might right. be close. Somebody sent me eleven. I don't know how they knew that or if they were guessing. Somebody sent me eleven. <laughs> I mean, you think about it, it it's mainly Hayden Damn and, close. and Odie. Right. Yeah. And it's just not, it's not a team with great athleticism. It's not a team with great length. Right. It's not a team that, that it's a team that has to manufacture offense because they don't have anybody other than Dave and Jeremiah when he's hot that can naturally produce offense. And that's a really tough place to be in February because everything you've thrown the kitchen sink at it, right? Mm-hmm. They threw the kitchen sink at that stretch where Dave was scoring 20 to 25. It was like four games, I think three or four games, whatever. And teams just said, we're not going to let him do that. We're going to, if he's going to do it, it's going to be, he's going to have to be playing at a really, really high level to do it. Right. And when that doesn't happen, the offense falls off a cliff. And then you have a game where he and Davenport don't do it. Mm-hmm. And they go four of 19. It was 0 for 7 or 0 of 8 combined for three from three. I don't this team doesn't have the capability to win in that fashion. They just don't. No, they don't. Uh it, I mean, as thanks, Aaron. Um I, thinking about the team as well is that, you know, it's just so many hot and cold type players where when seven, when Mason yeah. when when Mason Madsen's hot, he can knock down a handful. But we've seen games where Mason's been off as well. Uh, you know, it, it just seems as if no one can really get in the flow. I mean, Mike Adams Woods had, you know, knocked down a couple, but we've seen numerous games in a row where he just simply has missed over more than half of the shots from the field. And you know, we they have needed him. They have needed him to take pressure off of DeJulius, and he hasn't been able to do it. No, he hasn't. And you know, it it all adds into the fact. Even Mikey Saunders. You know, you you drive into the lane, all the bigs are going to collapse on you because, first off, there's no spot up shooters available, for the most part. Second off, they know the bigs aren't really going to be able to to look to score or, you know, the the. Right. Off chance for an offensive rebound and a putback is also something that this team doesn't do very well. So, all that tied together, you're you're really handing a defensive game plan to the opposing team that makes it very difficult for Cincinnati to succeed unless they're knocking down 
a high amount of their three-point shots. Yep. And we saw that stretch where they did it. We saw the beginning of the year before the tape was out, Mikey Saunders had wide open lanes to the basket, and he was finishing a wide majority of them as well. We saw open lanes for David DeJulius as well. But at, as we mentioned, when the tape comes out, they know take those things away. And, I mean, really, at, at certain times on the court, it's, it's two against five offensively. Yeah. And then, like I talked about, you're not getting any practice time to counter, right. to say, to come up with, let's really go through what we're going to do to fix this. I agree. It, it's, you know, and again, it, it's something that when, when you have things humming, when you have a veteran team, you can rely, you can lean on your veteran guys that have, that, that have, that have fought through those battles and led your team through those things. And they just, you know, have it right now. Even your veterans, Jeremiah and Micah that have been here for, you know, into their third year, they missed out on the tournament in year one because of COVID, a tournament they very likely would have made. And then last year they, they didn't, they didn't make it. So you don't have like, that's the bridge that I think becomes really hard for programs. Like once you get in, there's a standard. Right. There's, you know, and I, I talked about this with a lot of guys, like once that first team, that 2011 team got in, nobody else wanted to be the team that, that, you know, let that slip away and guys lean on each other and the old heads are texting the the guys, you know, their, their teammates that are still there. Like, bro, you know, after it got to four five, six in a row, like, Hey, Y'all, y'all can't be the team that that, that, that breaks the streak. You, you better get your ass in line and start playing well, get us into the tournament. Once that's broken, once that chain's broken, like I think it's really difficult to like to to get it back until you make it again, right? Right. And right now they're just not there. They're not, it's it is a this is the reality. I know people don't want to hear this. I've heard this is the worst team in 30 years, and but here's the reality: still better than last year's team. This is a middle of the pack American Athletic Conference team. It is a middle of the pack roster in the American Athletic Conference, and that is all demonstrated by their record against the teams above them in the standing. One win. They have one win against the teams above them in the standing, and that's SMU. They now have two losses against the team that are teams that are below them in the standings. The one to Tulsa, now the one to South Florida. They are what their record says they are. They are a middle-of-the-pack American Athletic Conference team. Brad, that's interesting because if you, if you go back – that team beat Xavier. That team beat NC State. Nick's first year. They struggled in the Big East mightily, but that was a monster Big East. I had this argument with Dan Horde Saturday, not argument, but conversation with Dan Horde. Dan Horde said he would take Mick's first team over this one. I don't know that I agree. I'm glad you aren't breaking news that you and Dan Horde went to fisticuffs. We did not go to fisticuffs. That's good. Generally, when Dan Horde gives you his opinion, you say, it's probably better than my opinion. (laughs) (laughs) 
And I, I'm a firm believer in my opinions, but let me tell you, Timmy Crowell barely played. He played like eight minutes a game. When when Dan Horde says his opinion is wildly different than your opinion, it gives you pause. That there's a pretty good chance your opinion is wrong, <laughs> and you haven't you haven't thought it all out yet. At that point, you pretty much have to say like, "All right, Dan, you win," and back away slowly, like Homer yeah. into the bush, right? <laughs> Dan Hord said I'm wrong. It's a good chance I'm wrong. So it, there's just so much of it that like has kind of gone downhill against this team, and that's that's no excuse. They're they are what their record says. It is, and that's a middle-of-the-pack American Athletic Conference team. That's where you're going to have a lot of tough questions this offseason. Yeah. Do we need to touch on the final minute at all in the South Florida game? Um, final play. I mean, yeah, I, I don't well, know what else well, first off, the is. First off, are we okay with the with the David shot? I, I'm fine with it. It almost yeah. went in. And I was, I was, he had a, a step back. He had a clean separation, look. Separation, yep. He had a good separation. It went, I thought, twice that shot was going in. Right. So I had no problem with the shot he got. There was a tie game. Um, I guess the I, only thing, maybe be, try to be a little bit more aggressive and draw a foul Eric, go to the free throw line. But when they're loaded up on you, it like it, it, you see a lot of teams, like they, they try to play into a loaded box in that situation. And they do the wall. And, up they and, just get swallowed up or they, yeah. they lose control of the ball. Like right. there was still – what, an extra four seconds between the shot clock and the game clock. Yes, five. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it was five once he they got the rebound, but I think he took it a little early. Right. True. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I didn't have a problem with it. Aaron. Yeah. From home, did they have a clear look at the Davenport shot that they ruled was a two? Like, did he did he clearly have a foot on the line? Yeah, I I called okay. it when he shot it. Like as soon as he shot it, I was like, "That was a two. And then it was. It wasn't more than five seconds after the fact that they're like, "They're reviewing it. Looks like yeah, it might." I, have been I a just two. we didn't we didn't have a good look at it, and I didn't see any replays on Twitter yeah. that made it clear. So I was just curious. Like I wasn't complaining about it. I just they were, didn't. I knew I didn't get a good enough look at like where exactly his toe was. Yeah, the camera angle when he shot it uh, was from behind him. No. The one I saw was in front, or maybe that was okay. a replay. Regardless, it was in front of him, um, where the the cameraman's under the hoop to the right, under and to the right yeah. of the hoop yeah. on the baseline there. Yeah, my friend said that he, he he had a good view of it, and he couldn't even be excited when when, when he let it loose because he knew it was a two. But um, but yeah, so and the David shot happens, and then you set up a situation with five seconds left, and you have. Three fouls to give. In a tie game, there there should be there should be literally zero chance that you allow the opposing team to get a shot off, unless it's some you know seventy five footer, which Bearcat fans have seen go in before. But Jeremiah made a terrible mistake. He went too far. I don't know if he didn't like. I don't know how he was in the position he was in first off because he should have been behind the offensive player. Instead, he was even with him. So he kept drifting and the offensive player just back cut away from like, you can't, you can't let yourself be in a position 
for that to happen. And then, of course, it puts Abdul and actually almost as equally mind-boggling to me. Jeremiah should have had a steal or at least kicked the ball out of bounds, right? done something on the pass Mm -hmm. for the game-winning shot. And he just, like, he he barely reached. It was like he olayed it. And he just casually kind of moved past it. Colgate, Matt, Colgate. <laughs> um, and it, it, like that baffled me even more because if he just makes a play on that ball, they don't hit the game winning shot. Right. I mean, you literally don't run. It, it, he ran past Chua on that one when you know that Chua is the only other player in yeah. that front court. So you what are you running past him for? You stand in front of him and you wait and see if a pass is going to come. But no, Again, I, it goes back to something a, a, an old coach of mine told me many, many moons ago. One mistake won't kill you. Two will. Yeah. When you let a second mistake happen Dead. because you're so in your head about the first mistake, you're dead. I, and something, he's, tells he was me, dead. something tells me he was trying to – he might have seen something in the backcourt and thought he could get some sort of a steal in a, in a shot of his own. I don't no, know. He, but if you look, Brent, the positioning. Right. Well, no, the position it, was bad from the start, but he took a step forward. And he would he was always either even or ahead of a guy who's right. supposed to be behind. No, I know. I know. You're supposed to be behind. Like the, the, the player you the, that you're guarding is supposed you're supposed to be between them and the basket. Right. Playing in front of them, playing on top of them just allows what happened to happen. Yeah. So I guess my question was not a freak play. It was an ignorant play by a guy that had no clue what was happening. Come on, come on. OH 54. Come on. So um, it let us, it let us to rap. (laughs) Yay. The, 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 the gift that keeps on taking. Oh, um, man. Would would you have taken out JD in that situation? For who? Literally anyone. Hayden, Hayden, Hayden Koval, uh Jarrett Hensley. Um, just just because we we know that JD is a a fantastic three point shooter. We know that he can he can get hot and and be you know carry the load offensively. But we also know he's deficient at defense at times. So why not make a quick offense for defense substitution? You see it. I guess I I don't know maybe I, I you're right that if you put like a Koval in there he probably doesn't screw up the assignment and does what's asked of him like that's one of his greatest strengths right yeah I, um but maybe uh, maybe it maybe it changes that side of it but I mean the what ifs can just pile up uh, in the end it was a game that was highlighted by the halftime show of. The firecrackers, Aaron. You you miss the firecrackers, man. They are electric. It's an absolute electric factory. Wow. Is that the that jump place was, Yeah, yeah. Okay. That place was was as loud as I've heard it in a while. Did they have frisbee dog this year? Um, I think they did, but I wasn't there. I don't. I don't, I don't know, know that. I didn't see frisbee dog. Anytime I was there, but 
I think Red Panda retired, I'm pretty sure. No, she's still out doing stuff. The firecrackers are so much better than Red Panda. Dude, the firecrackers. It's not even close. I was irrationally excited after the firecrackers were done. That was phenomenal. I gave a standing O. Oh, the and firecrackers every year. Like that that's they're You're they're not allowed shit. to cheer in, on press row, right? Oh, you can cheer for the firecrackers. Oh man. Oh. <laughs> We were getting hyped. It's like I stepped in the aisle so I could cheer for the firecrackers. Let's go! Let's <laughs> go! That was awesome. Um, yeah, again, a quick a, a quick shout out to the seniors. Uh, a very weird senior night, obviously, with the uh, COVID the weirdest eligibility. Weirdest one I've ever had. Yeah, with but with but with also with COVID eligibility and you know the fact that I mean, Abdul Ladu did did. Uh, did West say that he walked last year? So he was telling coach that he didn't want to walk again this year. Yeah, he's um, basically just saying, like, I, I don't need like, you know. Right. I don't need all the pomp and circumstance. I've already I've already done it once. Right. And I I mean, and then he revealed that he's been playing through injuries. It's no excuse for anything, but he's been a warrior out there on the court. So so thank you for that. And then of course Hayden just mentioned his development throughout his entire college career. Uh, number one and number two in, in active career block shots. Not often, if ever, that's happened in the history of college basketball. And then, of course, uh, Sam Martin, man. I, you've got to mention him as some, someone needs to tell him, yo, we need some sort of a book or some sort of a, a long essay, a, a, a bright young version of an article. Yeah, we, we need him to break down just his career with Cincinnati. Um, I, I still think it's crazy. Chad brought this up a couple weeks ago, but that he was the only player in Cincinnati Bearcats history to play for three different head coaches. Well, yeah. I mean, I can't say that for certain. Well, like, yeah. But looking back, I don't think there were ever and, – and transferring wasn't nearly a thing like in the 70s and 80s when UC had a couple periods where they, they turned through coaches quicker than normal. Well – what about uh, was Brandon Miller was his freshman year? Yeah, but I'm not. Andy doesn't like Andy was an interim coach, so right. I don't consider that like he he wasn't hired as the head coach of UC basketball. Right, right. But I I mean even just breaking it down, like you know he was he was there in Nashville when when we were all extremely sad. He was, you know, of course there for the the final Mick game in Columbus against yeah. Iowa. He was yeah. he was there through, you know, the the pandemic, the the season ending, you know, shutdown and then the the following year that was probably going to go down as one of the crazier more abnormal years in in Cincinnati basketball history and then the after effects of that. And then of course year 1 with what's hopefully a, a phenomenal tenure under coach Wes Miller. I I mean he needs to he needs to have a tell off something because there's there's got to be oh, a one of these days we'll get Sam that. on. Sam, Sam's a we'll, we'll get Sam on. Sam's yeah. Sam's a great great dude. And the only like Linder's honor athlete, you like basketball athlete ever, I think. Like, he is on a level of smart that doesn't equate for most people. <laughs> that's that's how Sam is. Um, 
excited to to have him around the program going, you know, long term, but mm-hmm. it will not be in a basket. I would be shocked if it's in a basketball capacity. Like <laughs> that dude's gonna go be a CEO somewhere. <laughs> go do that. Don't don't get into this chaos. And and Wes talked about how he was like, you know, you don't have to play this this extra year. You know, you're yeah. you're you're done. You you can move on, but he just loves the program, loves the Bearcats. So there he is yet again. Um, amazing, amazing kid. Amazing. Yeah. So I, you know, just said congratulations, tip the cap to them. And you could tell that that was probably so, as well as the final play, just the fact that that was the way to go out for those guys definitely had him going through some rough things. <laughs> I said I'd be happy if we made it through the season without losing someone to the portal at some point. Only a few more games to go to break that streak. No, nobody has packed up their car, uh, headed to Chicago. Sold the car on uh, Craigslist and caught a flight back to Spain. So yeah, we did make it. We did make it through through that. Oh wow, Brian Johnson! Look at buff. the big brain on Brian. You know, you know, Brian. I I hate to say it. I I bet that USF team would beat this year's USF team. They they are historically bad, but They're so bad. Like but, Aaron you know, and I said it before the game. You can't. You can't lose that game under any circumstance you cannot lose that game and they lost it I don't Woof. and now they they get to and, and you ask what's next oh it's a it's a two-game road swing down to texas <laughs> oh <laughs> you talk about the worst possible thing at the absolute worst possible time is this team and this state of limping to the finish crawling they are no longer they were limping to the finish line before saturday they are crawling bare knuckles to the finish line and now have to go play houston and what's going to probably like smu is right on the cut line if they lose to cincinnati they're not making the tournament oh smu is going to be angry angry there's I mean, you're going into a Moody. I I think it's senior night for them at at Moody too. It's just well, yeah, it's the last it's the last home game. I think I don't think well, they play home at home this weekend, do they? The weekend. I, and and how weird is it that Cincinnati? Oh no, they've of got, all this time got, that UC needed a break, they get off the last weekend of the regular season. They've got Tulane at home to close out. So oh, so it's not senior night. Oh, and Cincinnati just shockingly still number one hundred in the Ken Palm, and, and I hate to say it, like I and you don't have which, to say. Which it. I mean, they're above yeah. Tulane. No, but I mean at this point, it's just like you know, some people want to compare this Cincinnati team to the past Cincinnati teams by, oh look, they're one hundred in the Ken Palm and, and sixty eight in, in adjusted efficiency defense, and you know higher higher ratings than this. They're, they're still tenth in the country in effective field goal percentage defense. I mean, the team that we've seen play in February is not any of those. I think it's just, I don't know. The metrics part of that really really kind of goes out the window at this point. But it is what it is. Houston is going to be, I mean, they want to win. They want to keep winning, have positive momentum heading into March. Uh, I don't want to Yeah, I mean, I got to do a preview article after this. I, I don't know. Better you I, than me. Oh, I'm gonna tell you to do the SMU one. That's for sure. But uh, no, you're not. So 
the thing is this now it is what next um is there any goal towards the, the end of the season among the team or i mean i don't know win what basketball next. games come on what's next <laughs> come on brand I, I, i'm just asking i mean do you think it's there a, are there are good questions and bad questions like all right, what's well then, next well then is then what we have at the end of the season so right? green trey green was at the game on uh, mm-hmm. saturday uh, Brett Stein was able to get a nice article up about Trey and his visit. Chad, anything else you've heard aside from what Brett was able to uh, to give out in his article? Visit went really well. Obviously, it was uh, a bit frustrating after the game, but Trey and his dad went over to Mio's with a couple guys from the staff. Um, they grabbed a little bite to eat. And then when that was over, uh, Trey and his dad went back and hung out, from what I heard, in Wes's office for like two hours. So uh, nothing to worry about on the, you know, did they lose the kid because they didn't play well? Like, that's, that's not how it works. I know that's how a fan's brain works, you know, in, in situations like that, but that's not kids don't really care. They just want to know, like, am I going to play? Uh, you know, what, what, what does my team look like? It was good. Probably better for anything than the, that happened during the game was to get in there with Josh Reed. Like, you know, you want to talk about a kid that's going to do a, a great job putting, putting your best foot forward. Again, that kid's smarter than me. He's, and that's not saying much, but he's 17. Like, I spent, I don't know, probably 15 minutes talking to him and his dad before the game. We weren't talking about, like, you know, uh, like icebreakers. Like, we were talking about actual, about the city, about the university, how long had I been covering the team? Like they had real questions for me. Like we had a real conversation and that's, you know, I think that would go a long way because like, then you're going to sell them on that's, you know, that's one of the guys that's going to be our core along with you. uh, If you come here. Right. Right. Which I love the, uh, the Josh Reed recognition during the game. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, obviously you, he signed, he's committed, he's coming. Uh, but you know, he, he probably was sitting there just chomping at the bit to to help the team out. So awesome yeah. to have him on hand. He got a, uh, a a big round of applause. It was it was a lot of fun. Um, and then you see fans are gonna like him, I think, quite a bit. Yeah. And then aside from that, a couple more visitors were at the game. I I don't know if there was any more tidbits aside from that, but or did they make it in town? Not or? at the moment. Okay. Okay. That's kind of what I thought. I, um, I leave people alone after losses. Yeah. The last thing they want to do is see my name pop up and have a good, hey, dude, how was, how's recruiting? Like, they're trying to figure out how to win games. Yeah. Especially with pretty much a back-to-back in Texas. Well, yeah. Think about that. Like, that's a lot of how this all is gone. They played Saturday. Got to practice today. Tomorrow you get on a plane. Or today you get on a – got to practice Sunday. Today you get on a plane. Tomorrow you play Houston. 
You get on another plane, you go to Dallas, you get one day, you take on SMU. Like, this has been brutal, man. Like, I, I don't envy any of them because they're just not built for this. They're, they're not built to tough out, you know, seven games in 18, 19 days, whatever we talked about it being. They're just, they're not, they're not there, unfortunately. And then, of course, that following week, we'll obviously talk about it more as, uh, you know, this this wraps up and then we head into the next BVP next week. But uh, it would be the AAC tournament. Um, At least they will get a little rest for that because you're done Thursday. You don't have a game this weekend. Get a whole week off. Well, yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. They'll, have, they'll probably have, I think they'll leave Wednesday. I think they right. leave Wednesday. So you'll get you'll get a couple that you'll get a day off. You get Friday off. You'll get probably Saturday and Sunday to get in the gym and really just kind of try to hone back in on the things that haven't been going well. Try to fix some things. Mm-hmm. Try to focus on some things that have needed to be focused on and really haven't had the time to do so. Right. Um, and then you know probably half practice Monday and and especially Tuesday, start dialing in on, you know, what's coming up in the tournament. And they're probably going to end up being the eight seed, honestly. I I don't think so. I think they're pretty locked in at the seven. Mm-hmm. Um, who's who's going to jump them? Uh, I believe either Wichita State or ECU is, is, is likely to jump them if they don't win one of these next two games. So, well, it depends on how it goes because ECU's six and ten. And they'll – they have one more game at Wichita at, State. At Wichita right? State, right? Yeah. So they'll probably finish six and eleven. Um, Cincinnati, I guess. I don't know. Is it a? Is it like a total wins or? How many wins is the Wichita State's got two left, right? Yeah, but they're four and nine, so they okay. can't reach Cincinnati in total wins. There's there's a chance. There's a pretty good chance. Or no, which, that's that's what it was. Wichita State should have won, or not should have won. They got their ass beat. Didn't Memphis kill them yesterday? Yeah, eighty-one fifty-seven. Yeah, they had a chance to get even with Cincinnati, and they didn't. So maybe they do end up with the seven. I don't know. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't bank on ECU beating or Wichita State beating ECU right now. Wichita State's. You going to talk about a team that's that's down bad right now? Whew. Yeah. Well, and Tulsa plays Wichita State too at home. Um, so where's can Tulsa catch them? But no, no, they're they're way down there. Okay. So. Could be the start of a redemption tour for the Bearcats. Take on the South Florida Bulls. But if you say seven, you're at least down there with SMU. Yeah. You, you, you'd much rather be there than with, with Houston, obviously. Right. Yeah. I don't know how you do it, Brent, but you amaze me at how optimistic you still can be. By saying that the redemption tour against South Florida? Just the- <laughs> I don't know that you got the South Florida portion out. I think you just said the redemption. No, he word. did. He said it. You just okay. didn't hear it. Well, I mean, South Florida is so bad. Um, I hope that they'd be able to, to to pull together and beat them. But yeah, um, so I yeah, obviously a very, 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 very times a hundred uh, difficult trip to Texas. Wait, wouldn't week. South Florida be last? Yeah, it'd be seven ten, right? Is there only ten teams in this stupid league now? Or is there eleven? Or is it seven? Seven. There's eight, eleven. Nine, ten, eleven. So yeah. Well, it'd be 
Tulsa? Yeah, I guess Tulsa. Still a redemption tour. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, that's uh, that's obviously could be the discussion. when whenever We'll discuss that. That's for Monday. That's for next week. Right, exactly. But still for now, it's uh, some sort of semblance of, of positivity this week would be awesome. And I don't know. It'll be tough. So that's that. Basketball. Uh, anything else, guys, as far as that goes? I got no, I got nothing. On to next week. <laughs> yeah, we on to on to Houston tomorrow night. At Houston, nine p.m. D- Dave asked me an interesting question. What's that? Will they will Vegas be able to put this number high enough that you wouldn't bet Houston? Oh, I mean, the funny thing. What would, it, Houston... what would the number have to be where you wouldn't bet Houston? Because apparently we don't have betting in Ohio, but Brent is in Indiana. Right. Let's Aaron. let's take a gander here. That's why I was passing that question off. To it's fifteen right now. I'd still I'd like <laughs> the way things are trending. Right. Dave, I mean, Dave but, said Dave said he might win a new car tomorrow. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, you take a look at the past. I I mean, they beat UCF by 18, but that game is a little closer than that final score shows. Uh I mean, they beat They SMU. were 11 point favorites at home over SMU. SMU was number 2 in the conference. They won by 14. They won by 14. They covered. Yeah. I mean, that's a 15's a uh you you call that one of those you call one of those a rat spread you know what I mean? Yeah. I, who would you take? If you I had mean, to bet that game tomorrow, you're forcing you're me Houston, to bet money on it. I'm taking Houston, but and lay in the fifteen. Yeah, but but fifteen is also a that is such a backdoor number. Um, I mean Cincinnati, they what they haven't. It's not like. They've been getting like pummeled. I mean, their their worst loss no. was Houston, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, ding, I mean, ding, it's just, ding. I don't know. <laughs> to be honest, I'm not touching it because I made I, I, I made a life commitment that I would never bet against my teams. So it's either pour the money on on the red and black or don't touch that because that stuff is whack. You know, you like that, Aaron? A little bit of rhyme sure for you. Jeez, you hate me. All <laughs> right, so let's go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and move on to football. Something a little bit more colorful on this beautiful day. Um, obviously, not much to talk about as far as football goes because it's uh, spring practice right on the horizon coming up this Saturday. Chad, I know you and Dave kind of did like an offense and defensive, you know, well, touching we'll on defense, each position we'll group. We'll do defense Wednesday. Right. So what's, a, what's I guess, would be like a miscellaneous thing? We'll talk about that here because we'll talk about defense as a whole. Uh, you know, kind of just, I guess, a, a, a key player that you, you know, or, or group of players that you really want to keep an eye on that first week or 
and maybe kind of a superlative that you really want to keep an eye on or coach. I don't really want to keep an eye on. That's a Brent Young thing. Hey, you know what? Every time we do it, you say you had a blast doing it. So I know, (laughs) but I did. That's not, it doesn't like, it doesn't compute in my brain. So if you have superlatives, you'd like me to talk about. (laughs) Okay. Well, let's start off with a, because I imagine both of you guys are going to be going on Saturday. Yeah, I plan on heading back to Cincinnati for that. Okay. I will be there. I believe Dave will be there as well. Cool, cool. So, tell me one, just just one player for now that, that you guys are going to keep a close eye on just in that initial first practice on Saturday. My eyes are going to be on cornerback a lot. Yeah. Just the, You've got a really good group of wide receivers, so they're going to be tested, right? You know, it's going to be difficult for them. Um, I want to see who kind of, who, is it Jaquan Shepard that steps in uh, to that Sauce Gardner role just because he's been the guy that for the past two years uh, has has been backing him up? Do we see a Todd Bumpus? Do we see a Sammy Anderson? What does JQ Hardaway look like uh, in his first spring? I know everybody's going to be looking at quarterback, but I, I'm just going to be fascinated by, and, and you get the wild card of, you know, new coach and Kerry Combs. Right. So I'm going to be fascinated by that. Okay. Aaron. You can take down the standings, Aaron. There you go. We moved on. Why do I go? I mean, I, I'll be I'll be fascinated by just the offense in general. Uh, but if we're just naming one name, I think Ben Prater, or I would combine both of them: Ben Bryant, Evan Prater. Um, just seeing Aaron's who, got his eye on Ben Prater. Yeah, both spring. of them. Same. Same. <laughs> That's that new that new running back transfer, right? <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, but there's so many other places that just on the offense too. That when you're watching the offense, outside of on the defense, I think most of the stuff's kind of we we kind of know what's going on outside of the secondary. But offense, I think between the receivers, Shimon Mater, um the the running backs the quarterbacks there's just a lot of different moving pieces not to mention you know what what does the offensive line look now that we have a new offensive line coach so there's just a lot of different things on offense to be paying attention to so uh, for me i'm kind of thinking hicks um because you know just the way that brady kind of mentioned him a lot in the last one in the last uh, pod that we had him on it, it was just kind of hicks really touching on the fact that you know He's taking it's that next turn. step. Yeah, it's your turn. He's, he's taking that step in in the leadership avenue, and I mean, I, you look at all the safeties that have come before him, and and that have been in that same room with him. They were all either the vocal leaders or the leaders that got you know showed what they could do by by their what they got done on the field. So um, Hicks, I'm excited to see. Uh, I guess who is going to really take control of that linebacker room? I mean, you guys are going to touch on that a little bit more as far as it goes on the uh, defensive front, but, you know, I mean, is, you know, pace, obviously you would think, but, you know, is, is Will Huber going to force the staff's hand and, and, you know, make, make him be in, in every down 
linebacker or is, you know, is who's going to step up? I, there's so many different storylines as far as that goes. So, um, yeah, offensively, though, Ben Prater, I'm really excited to see who is going to who's going to take that step out of those two. So um, thanks for that. But coaching, uh, I think, you know, Den Brock wasn't necessarily a real loud guy during practice. He, you know, he was obviously there a lot doing what he needed to do. I'm, I guess, interested to see if Gino kind of takes that next step with his, you know, authority and, and constantly being there or, you know, what the new coaches come in and kind of what their role looks like during practice as well. So it could be exciting. Yeah. I mean, Chad, you're on mute. You're on. Sorry, dog was barking. Um, we talked about it since the day the season ended. Like this off season is going to be fascinating. And I can't wait to get started Saturday. Like the, this is really like this is now okay. Here we go. Like the the journey to this to the 2022 season uh, is upon us uh, as soon as we walk into that bubble on Saturday. Although 67 degrees Saturday, gotta love that. Let's go. Are they thinking nippered or are they doing bubble right away? I would guess bubble. Yeah. Just got to make sure it doesn't stink. Just go from there. Um, okay, so aside from that, Combine, obviously as well, going to be another hot topic this week. Quick question, you guys. It, it might just be what my feed is on my Twitter sphere and, and Instagram sphere as well, uh, but doesn't it seem as if the Cincinnati players are getting so much publicity by every major outlet, especially Sauce Gardner, especially Des Ritter getting talks. I saw Brian Cook was getting a lot of mentions recently. You know, just just the amount of of talk surrounding these Bearcat prospects just seems as if it's it's reaching a little bit higher than than what you would imagine for other schools. It might it might just be the fact that they're the ones crashing the you know the Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, Georgia party. Um, who who knows what it is? But it just seems like every single day. It's a different major outlet pumping more news about the Cincinnati guys that are going to be in the draft. I mean, Darren and Jeremiah had sauce at number four today. Yeah. Yeah. The number four prospect in the draft. Same. Which feels like sauce is finally starting to get in line with, with what we saw, what we know about him. Saw somewhere uh, that he was mocked to the Jets at what, 10, I think. Yeah, and I, I've seen a couple, a, a couple in the top ten. I think the lowest I've seen him over the past couple of weeks is like fourteen. Um, it's a big week combine this week. Like, guys are going to get to run. Guys are going to get to to put their their measurements and their measurables and their uh, their numbers on tape. Um, they're going to get to do the interviews and go through that whole process. So uh, a big week for the Bearcats that are in Indy. Um, we'll have a lot to talk about on Monday uh, about that as well. Oh, yeah. There is no doubt about that. Aaron, right. what are your – who's who, – okay, so we mentioned Alec Pierce is going to be the one that that really is going to turn people's head at the 
at the combine? Is there one Bearcat in particular that you are are you know when you see hey, uh, cornerbacks are coming up at two thirty p.m. I really want to turn that on and and make sure I I don't miss that. Or is, is there one guy in particular that you're keeping a relatively closer eye on this week? Well, with cornerbacks, you get a two for one. So I mean, that's kind of a, a nice little deal there, mm-hmm. but. I don't know. I mean, I'll probably be watching for any and all Bearcats that they throw out either during right. the day or in some of the replays. Um, I mean, I, I can I can pretty much have it on all day, so it's not a, a big deal for me. Um, but no, I mean, kind of curious to see where some of these guys can fall. You know, we saw what the, uh, they could do during the Senior Bowl uh, in the guys that were able to play, get on the field. Um, obviously, there's still some things that you want to see out of guys like maybe a Jerome Ford can boost some of his stock. Um, I, you know, people are still saying sauce has to run a, a sub four, four or, or right around that four, 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 five um, area to be considered in that top 10 where we all expect him to be. Um, what can Kobe Bryant do to boost his stock um, outside of being voted, you know, best cornerback in the nation, best cornerback at the senior bowl, um, I don't know. I mean, there's still a lot of storylines for these what eight guys, I believe it is, that are going to the combine. So there's plenty of action to keep up on. We'll see if Cook's there, right? Shoulder wise, I'm guessing he's not going to be uh, practicing or uh, or participating, uh, but he might still be there to do some of the the interviews and stuff. Um. I'm interested for Darian Beavers. His name was mentioned a little bit during the Senior Bowl, but you know, I'm excited to see because we we saw him just entire all of last year and then in the offseason, just the continued transformation that he made and then the reflection it had on the field. He, I mean, someone's going to fall in love with Darian Beavers. And then, of course, Dez has a chance to become QB1. I, Dave Simone, the BCJ draft expert, has mentioned that numerous times. So um, I'm excited to see what kind of, you know, things he shows in front of all the eyes this week because he's impressed us for the last four years, five years. So, um, yeah, a lot of excitement as far as it goes on the football side. Uh, anything football recruiting-wise, uh, I know that – Well, we do have um, – there was a hire today announced. Right, yep. And I don't know how to say her name yet. I'll work on this. <laughs> Ashley Hekimovich or Hesimovich, one of the two. I would assume uh, will serve as the director of on-campus recruiting. We had some questions today about what that uh, what that entails. That is uh, a new position. Um, that title previously uh, was was one that Max held, and basically, what this position now going forward will do is to handle all the all the specifics around visits. So when are you coming? Who are you coming with? When are you going to get here? And, and these are unofficials um, more than anything, but also the, you know, the officials will be a part of this, but those are usually very specific weekends where they have, you know, here's, eight guys visiting on this weekend and whatever. Um, the unofficials are a lot more consistent, a lot more regular. 
And having somebody in that position allows Pat and Max and that crew and Austin to, to really focus on the scouting and the, the recruiting aspect of it. And now you have Ashley that will be handling the logistics. Um, very important position because that, you know, making sure they get there, they're greeted, they're signed in, they, they, they have an itinerary and when you're meeting with who and how you're, you're on campus uh, trip is going to go, making sure there's no snags and how are you getting here? You know, like unofficials teams can't pay for. So you got to work with the parents on, you know, this is, this is on you. When are you guys coming? Are you driving? Are you flying? Do we have to pick you up at the airport? Are we just going to meet you when you get to campus? Like there's a lot to that job. I don't think people understand that was having to be handled by the guys that were also doing the scouting and, you know, constant meetings all day with the staff and what positions are we prioritizing? What do we need here? What are we looking for there? Like having to have all those guys do all of that and also deal with the on-campus, the long list of things that are required to make on-campus recruiting run smoothly. Um, that is a, a big investment in the recruiting department and one that is uh is much needed so um i'm excited to to meet ashley when uh i'm guessing saturday i've heard a i've heard a couple big names already in the mix for saturday maybe maybe a safety local safety you catch catch my drift yeah i maybe think a, I do. maybe a corner from down, down state? South? No, <clears throat> no. A corner from a state one up oh, to oh, the north. Ooh. Yeah, ooh. yeah. Catch your drift there too. So I, I think there's going to be a pretty good list to kick off spring practice on Saturday. At 68 degrees, might he melt? What's that? At 68 degrees, might he melt? Was it that? Yeah. That was a Chad joke. That's Chad's rubbing off on you. You're welcome. <laughs> Sheesh. Uh, but yeah, no, I I mean, obviously is, and I think it goes without mentioning, this is somewhat of a direct reflection to the Luke Fickle ext- extension as well. Um, sure. And everything that came with that, you know, when, when there's that ability, then you're, you're able to do, do these kind of things and it's only going to help the team, the program as a whole. So welcome aboard. Excited to see how this, further develops so that's awesome really really awesome um i guess it's i guess it's time to hop in the mailbag i we kind of we've been breezing through today so pretty pretty nice smooth and steady let me throw up this timestamp real quick time step it aaron did you reach out to the y'all guy i haven't yet i've had too much crap going on but i'm gonna (laughs) that's on the itinerary for this week he took a day off brent Get off his back. Jeez. Oh, um, uh, I, it looks like the uh, the mailbag, though, posting it last night turned out well. Um, either that or people are just made of questions for uh, for basketball, <laughs> which... 
It's it's all the same questions that I, I'm not going to answer until the season's over. Like, but okay. Regardless, <laughs> we like to see the activity. Yes. Uh, we so do. we'll we'll start in the uh, in the football side of things here. Um, first and foremost, what would be the highest amount you would pay to the AAC in order to get out of conference for fall 2023? I mean, you're technically only leaving, what, five or six months ahead of uh, what the, the the notice would be. Um, it's $10 million as it is. I, I don't think I'd pay more than, like, 15 I think I, that would be my breaking point. I'm, I would hope it would be more around 12 or 13 Um because it's the the two timelines are just so close but my my number would be i guess my max number would be 15 highest amount since that's the question 15,000 million <laughs> pretty much what i'm saying is i think you just keep it as is um unless the big 12 is going to pay for it there's no chance they're going to keep it as is you have you have to pay more to get out early Oh no! You have to pay oh, ten okay. million I, to leave. I was misreading the. I was misreading the, the question. I was, I was thinking like immediately, but no. Like as is, I meant is like the plan that has already been mentioned is the twenty twenty three. So yeah, yeah. What, what they're I, asking I mean, is how much more over ten million. Uh, What's over? the highest number you would pay to break that and get out early? Because if you go to the point of like when they're going to let you go for the 10 million, you're already into the 2023 season. Right. You wouldn't be able to leave until 2024. Yeah. I I'd mean, go up an extra five. Whatever it takes to, to make it happen. Um, unless it's just some buku craziness. So yeah, I'd, I'd say 12 to 15 million. And cause you're going to make it back in the big 12 pretty much yeah. instantly. So. Yeah. yeah. I think when you start talking 18, 20, that's kind of, absurd for this university to yeah. be able to pay out so for five I mean, months right for five right, months right like, you're five months six months away whatever it is from fulfilling the contract um 15 that's my that's my would, highest amount would they do would like so say you ucf forks over 20 mil and and you see decides no or does it have to be all four at the same time deciding well, the three well all yeah Plus BYU. They're going to all negotiate a number together. Okay. All right. Next question. Uh, I'm a UC alum who lives in Washington, D.C. I try to make it to at least one Bearcat football game every year. Last year, I was lucky and got to go to the Navy game, which is like 45 minutes from my apartment in Annapolis, Maryland. I won't have any games that close to me in 2022. So which game should I try traveling to? The Arkansas season opener, the Temple Tilt in Philly, the Miami of Ohio beatdown at Paul Brown Stadium back in Cincy, another one. Basically, which singular game on paper would you say is the one that an out-of-town Bearcat fan should definitely carve a weekend out to go see in person this year? I'll go bounce house. UCF? I think yeah, I think they're gonna be improved. I think they're gonna be in the mix with UC and Houston at the top of the conference. Yeah. Um, it's it's Orlando mm -hmm. in October. I, I would go bounce house. <laughs> it will be hot in Orlando in October. Yeah, give me give me bounce house for sure. Uh 
second would be Arkansas. Don't come to Paul Brown Stadium for the game against Miami. No, no shot. There's there's other better games you can go to Nippert for. But, um, yeah, for me, it's uh, Bounce House 1, Arkansas 2. I say I Arkansas 1 only because uh, I don't have the luxury. Of, well, I mean, I, I do, but most people don't have the luxury of having a, a, a home to just go visit in Orlando like Brent. But, uh, I mean, I, and my, you. my cousin lives down there, so I, I have an easy easy one to visit. Down How could you place. take that shot when you also have a place to stay for free in Orlando? You can't take that shot. Sure I can. And I did. He's just, piled, disingenuous. just piling on me. That's and disingenuous. I'm taking these notes. Taking that's, these notes. That's fine. Uh, you'll get yours in one day. And also, checking and also it the twice. flights to Orlando are dirt cheap, too. So, there yeah. is that, uh, but Arkansas is drivable, without being like not from Annapolis or Annapolis, Maryland, where that guy's from, right? Yeah. yeah, I forgot that straight, piece of it. Straight down ninety five or whatever it is, and in, in right. Orlando, I'd, I'd definitely go Orlando. So he said carve out a weekend too, which makes me believe like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, we're field. flying. There's plenty to do down in Orlando. I'm guessing there's not a ton to do in Jonesboro, Arkansas. And you can, uh, and and even after the game, you can go Saturday, just drive an hour east, go to the beach. I mean, come on. I mean, you can go an hour either way, really. Hour, hour and a half either way, and right. be on either, either coast. Way. But right. Uh, am I the only one that thinks we'll beat Arkansas pretty handily? Yes, I would say yeah. Arkansas's projected top fifteen team. Well, and that's why I think that it would be a good game to go to, uh, but I, I don't know that it's going to be that we beat them handily. I don't, I don't know. Do I think Cincinnati can win? Sure, sure. Handily? No. Arkansas with a, new, with a quarterback, quarterback with at best a quarterback starting the second game in, of his career at Cincinnati. Like even if Ben wins the job, he still only started one game here. He started, you know, he got his, he went down to AAA and got his work in this year. <laughs> but, you know, he's only started one game uh, at the major league level. Like, they got a pretty damn good quarterback at Arkansas. And they still, like, you got to remember these, like, Arkansas. Hold on. I'm going to filibuster for me for a minute, Brent. KJ Jefferson is the quarterback in Arkansas. Sam yeah, Pittman he's had very a, good. Sam Pittman had a great year. They're they're doing the thing in Arkansas where they're building off the success of their first of their coaches year last year, and they're trying to just continue that into what is going to be a continuously difficult SEC for them. But I mean, this is a it's a it's a really good team. I mean, Arkansas. And, 2019 national recruiting ranking 23. 2020 national recruiting ranking 29. Mm -hmm. 2021 national recruiting ranking 25. So, I mean, they've been inside the top 30 for each of the past three years. You're playing in their place, you're losing eight, nine guys to the NFL. And a bunch of, you know, starter level talent, uh, you know, outside of that. Come on. Handily? Come on. Yes, it's yep. just you. It's just you. 
They also and squeal like, said, like pigs. <laughs> and like you said, if you get if if Prater wins the job, that is his first career start in a hostile SEC environment. And and I guarantee right. you, Arkansas, the entire off scene is like I'm sure some SEC teams are kind of you know saying they they put an emphasis on you know that opening game, especially if it's a big one. But for the most part, they're probably thinking about let's get through the out of conference because then we have the SEC. I guarantee you, Arkansas is circling this and highlighting it. You know, it, it's oh yeah, because no matter what for them, Cincinnati's going to be good, right? So this is a a a, a very nice, uh, you know, opportunity for them to get a out of conference win against a, a top twenty five level team. Yeah, they're going to be they're going to be fired up. And no one's saying Texas was any good this past year, but look what Arkansas did to Texas when. Texas right. came into town. They completely obliterated them. All right. I know we already kind of spoke a little bit about Ashley, but can y'all quickly break down the differences in the recruiting positions of Max Pat and the new role Ashley will be filling? So Max and Pat have very similar jobs. They they watch, you know, and, and Austin as well, uh, who works in the department, um, watch tape. Contact more so Austin is more on the scouting side. Um, Max and Pat are more in the front lines. They communicate with kids, talk to recruits, um, kind of they're the they're the initial point of contact before that recruit starts really dealing with you know their position coach or their coordinator. Um but a, a lot of scouting. A lot of fine-tooth combing. Every kid in the state of Cincinnati, every kid in the state of Ohio, uh, and then you're getting more now, Indiana, Michigan, Kentucky, uh, Georgia, Florida, where they've had some presence, Pennsylvania. Like they, They've got a pretty wide spectrum on we have to make sure that we're up to speed on all the guys that, that should be on our board in these areas is there anybody rising up is there anybody sliding down uh so there's a lot of of film watched a lot of huddle a lot of you know full game tape uh coaches tape on these kids if they can get it um and then a lot of contact especially between max and pat uh with the the recruit the recruits family the recruits coach um you know, just building that relationship and and getting things to a position where if they are a priority guy, then you pass them off to uh, the position coach or coordinator or whoever handles their area uh, sometimes will be first. But um, that that's kind of the the role. And then as we talked about, Ashley will now be in charge of setting up, getting kids on campus and you know, the, dealing with the logistics with their parents and whoever, you know, be coming with them, um, all that good stuff. So, yeah. And and Pat will forever be the main target of every off-season prank. So that's another thing to Yeah, he's, he's very uh, prank. He's very susceptible to pranks. Easy so, target, yes. I think is what they call that. I, you said it. I didn't. I did not say that, Pat. Sometimes he's sometimes he's watching, and I get texts live. So that was Aaron, right I, here. I miss Pat. 
Um, right here. This 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 guy. How involved are the parents once a player is being recruited? At what stage slash when do the parents get involved? Depends on the parent. Like, yeah, there's no correct answer for that one. Um, some of them are involved immediately. Uh, others are involved once their kid becomes famous. Um, some kids have two it, phones, and one of their phones right? is the parent's it's phone, for, and you have to go through right. the parent to try and get a hold right. of the kid. Aaron, you, yeah, Aaron, go ahead. You like you dealt with some of this. Go ahead. I mean, the, the the way that I've dealt with it, like some kids, literally, you can't get a hold of because their parents are in charge of every aspect of everything. Um, other kids, like their parents, are very little involved uh, outside of just being their biggest cheerleader when they go to. You know, the unofficial visits, the official visits, um, you know, when they're on campus, all of that. Uh, so it's it's very each each situation is unique. Um, and I think as recruiting becomes a bigger and bigger deal, you're starting to see parents kind of snatch up the reins a little bit quicker than maybe you did a decade ago. I think staffs all, always kind of know. I mean, each player is different. You don't want to right. recruit the same player the same way. So, I mean, each each example is going to be different. So, I agree. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, how likely is a scenario where there is no definitive QB1 exiting higher ground? Could we see a starter and then a package of plays for the secondary guy to give the UC offense more options and confuse Arkansas with some tape on Ben Bryant but virtually none on Evan Prater? Brent, you want to venture a guess? Uh, it, it seems as if Luke's always kind of wanted to have someone, number one. Um, I mean, even in that UCLA game, it seemed like Dez was was the number one pick, but they were going to let Hayden go out there and see what he could do. And then after that, you saw they never went back. I, I guess that could have been a know, year. I don't, know if I, I don't know if I'd agree with that. Like, Hayden got the start. Right. But – I. I don't know. They it, wanted to give Des. I, I don't think they were sold on Hayden. The poll, yeah, the poll was pretty quick. I think they yeah. were. Well, no. Think, so if you listen to what they say back then, mm-hmm. the plan was two series for Hayden, one series for Des, then go back to Hayden. But Hayden had remember how terrible those first two series were. Very bad. And then Des had a strong first series. And Des just kind of took it. Like that wasn't the original script. The original script right. was to to rotate them. Uh, but if Des had a chance to put a stranglehold on it, we'd let him put a stranglehold on it. Which and it turned out he was very good at turning around and handing the ball to Mike Warren, who carried I, it like forty two <laughs> times that game. Shocker. What I what I think is is different this year is that I mean Hayden was the returning starter had some yeah. very bright games yeah, yeah. for the Bearcats. I agree with that completely. This one, this year it's, you know, I mean, Ben Bryant, he did start that one game, but he, I mean, he's coming back from Eastern Michigan, I guess in that first game, you would want to have someone who at least has collegiate experience going out there in a hostile environment. But I mean, if, if Evan is showing that, you know they're they're forcing the hand, and he he needs to have some sort of a package. I I don't know. I think I think that the staff will do anything it takes to win. I think if they find some sort of a a way where where Evans' legs are kind of have a huge advantage at, at some point or in some way, then I think that they might 
maybe put a package in there and see if it clicks. Um, I don't know. Here's, where, is... I, here's where I agree with that. Here's where I think you're right on. If Ben wins the job, there could be a package for Evan. Right. If Evan wins the job. Yeah. You don't have a side package for the pocket passer, do you? No. Eh. That's not how side packages work, right? Because it's about rhythm and timing and. Unless it's a you know, Hail Mary at the end of the be, Right. Being on the same page. You're not putting the, the, the dual threat quarterback out there to start and then bringing in the natural pocket guy right. as a change of pace. That's not how you change pace. So if Ben wins it, I definitely could see there being a package of plays for Evan. If Evan wins it, I don't think there's like a, a sub package for Ben to come in stand in the pocket and start singing bombs, right? Right. If if Evan wins it, then that means he had a fantastic offseason. Yeah, that means he's the quarterback, yeah. right? Which future is now. Um I don't know. I think uh I think either way, if if either starter gets it, I mean you have a supreme backup quarterback if if things did go sour with the bright lights on even if right. Evan does win. Um, so, I mean, I think, I think, yes, I think that you will more than likely see both quarterbacks in the first game, unless like you said, Evan just kind of blows it away in the off season and, and is the chosen starter. I think there will be a definitive QB one. Yeah. To answer the first question. I think though. Now, um, will Luke let people know? Probably not. Because he's right. not going to tip his hand when he doesn't have to. Nor should right. he. Right. But I think there will be a guy that is QB1 coming out of higher ground. I agree. All right. Uh, switching gears to the basketball portion of the mailbag. The first question we have, which five players would you like to see return next year? The five guys you believe West can build around. Go ahead, guys. I'm not doing it. I've told you guys I'm not doing it every show. I'm not playing this game. I like I, I'm not. <laughs> so you guys feel free. I mean, I've mentioned before that I think that there is a core of players that you can build around. That doesn't mean that you dismiss everyone else. But I mean, if you can if you can bring this core up and and kind of you know mold them into what you want, and they can be you know have have roles in the future, then. Then I, I I think you know Mikey still fits that. I think if you if you put some shooting around Mikey and some some big ability to to score the basketball, I think that opens up those lanes that have been that have not been there, or it opens up the basket for him to actually finish once he gets there. Um, I think he fits that mold. Um, I mean I I still don't want to like. I guess give up on on Jarrett Hensley. That is an it, it's a special size and uh, length that you don't really get, and this team is lacking in length. And he's still technically a freshman. Uh, I I mean I still think that there is is a young core that you can really hone in on certain roles that they that they're good at and make okay, them become he asked great. For five. He asked for five. I mean. Well, I'm not going to dismiss anyone on the team. That's not my job. So I I guess every uh, under se- How about the second part then? The five guys, who are the five guys you believe Wes can build around? Those two, 
uh, Victor. I mean, the five underclassmen. Um, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but don't dismiss the upperclassmen. No, it's just you've painted yourself into a corner, Brent. <laughs> I think I think I answered that pretty well. Now you're learning why I don't answer these questions. But I think I answered it pretty designed. well. Designed, you did. But they're designed. My point being, they're designed to paint you into a corner. Right. That's the whole point of the, the question and the structure. Yeah. I'm moving on. Uh, what are your thoughts on Bearcats postseason? And then what do you think West does? I don't think we should accept anything but the auto bid to the NCAA or an NIT bid. I think that'll be difficult because Wes is a guy that likes to compete, right? But I think you also have to weigh in, like, how how is your team responding? If the team is still wanting to play, you play. Yeah. Um, if it's a team that's out of gas, then you turn down the, the CBI or the CIT or whatever. Right. Um, but if it's a team that that you feel like you can uh, get the young guys some some added practice time and get some added run, then you accept it. I, I think that's a pulse of the team answer uh, more than it's a what does Wes want to do answer. Right, and and I I also think the one of the bigger holdups for people is like the whole recruiting aspect. It's like okay, well you can get on the recruiting trail two weeks earlier, but. I think with the with the teams that that the staff has been going up against, at, you know, with these higher level prospects that they've been targeting, I, I mean, they're going to be playing in the NCAA tournament, or they're going to be, you know, doing their own thing as well. So, I don't think you really, yeah, there, there could be an argument there that you get the advantage because right. they're still playing and you're not. And then I think, but also as far as it goes for just next year, I don't think like recruiting a high schooler. I think you're still sitting back for the transfer portal type ordeal. So and yeah. those, well, those those don't normally happen until – I mean, they could start no, right after conference They'll play. start immediately at conference, conference tournaments. tournaments. As yeah. soon as a team loses, there'll be players bouncing. Right. I'm, I'm for, like you said, that's exactly how I feel. You sit down with the team. You say, hey, we were offered an invite to the CBI. Right. Do you guys want to go out there and try and win some games and close, close the season out on the high note? And – if there's a resounding yes, then you you go with it because, I mean, at this point, you really don't have much to lose, and I think that they're the staff is relentless. I think they'll still be recruiting while they're doing that yeah, as well. Of course. So, so I think it's a it's a win win either way. What you do is is what fans can't do, right? You take pride out of it, right? It can't be a pride decision. It's got to be what's best for the program. Pride would say don't. You know, if it's not the NIT or the NCAA, then you say no. Um, is that what's best for the program? Taking pride out of it, taking that, you know, machismo, if you will, out of the, the process. Mick in, Mick in 2008 played in what, the CBI? Yeah, I think so. At Bradley, they lost. But, lost, yeah. But still, it's it. I mean, at this point, it's just... Do what you can to just continuously improve. And if you feel like that's the way to improve, then go for it. I concur. Uh, Lockin did not play Saturday. Any news on why? I know he took off for personal reasons, and uh, that's what's been reported. Um, no. No, we're not talking about it. All right. It, it is what it is. What it, like, 
it is what it is. Makes sense. And it's personal to the kid. And Wes requested that we leave it personal to the kid. And we're going to honor that. Very good. What players have on the current roster stand? I'm sorry, I'm reading. What players have you heard are entering the portal or rumors that might interest us? I know this is one of your favorite questions. I hate you, Doc. I hate you. Moving on. (laughs) Uh, Which player on the current roster stands the best chance to take a leap in skills slash development this offseason? Hmm. That's a good one. If healthy, you would think it's Vic because he's got a level of talent that very few people on this roster have. Um. The question is like how much how much time do you have to spend to get him back to a hundred percent? Because like if once again he's spending the offseason rehabbing, That's then he right. doesn't get to take a chance to take a leap in skills development because he's not on the court developing those skills. Um, with Jarrett Hensley. Hensley has a, a massive opportunity there. I think with Jarrett, when I watch like for me, like he's just not playing with any confidence. Hey, like he's he's six, he's six minutes a game. Well, he's, he's out generous. there playing. He's out there playing to like keep the chains moving. It, like to use right. a football reference, right? He's not out there believing he can make an impact. Right. He's out there just trying to like get to the next media timeout where you know, the starter is going to sub back in. And that's a really hard way to, to compete. Right. Um, so Odie, yeah, I'll go with Jared. Odie you could throw in there as well. I, yeah. Actually, I think Odie would probably be my number one. Like if he can continue to progress um, now that he'll have a full year with Mike Rayfeld, he'll have a full year with the staff. I, I'll, I'll go with Odie number one. That's a good one, Brent. Because, I mean, it, like, we, we all laughed at that first three-point shot he took, but I think he's taken two more since and one went in. So, the there's – I'm not saying he's going to become a knockdown shooter, but the confidence is there for him to shoot outside of that little bubble. So You know who was terrible it, what? and who we cringed when they started taking jump shots? Two guys, Gary Clark and Trey Scott. Right, right. And then as their confidence went up – all of a sudden, their ability to knock them in went up. Um, so I mean, yeah, Trey's known in the Trey's known in the G League as a guy that could knock down threes. Gary has has carved out a niche. Gary is a three <laughs> as, a, as a stretch four, as a stretch yeah. four. So yeah, I, I'll go with Odie there for sure. And a Greek freak stopper. That's what Gary is. <laughs> All right. Are any of the current Bearcat players or coaching staff members of BCJ? Do they read the board? There are people that are members of of BCJ at every level uh, in the Linder Center, and I'll just I'm not you know, you really want me to to out Pete? No, I can't do that. <laughs> but we there are people on Bearcat Journal at every level of the athletic department. I can assure you of that. Many of them listening to this podcast right now. <laughs> there you go. 
Uh, has AJ McGinnis played a minute this year? I don't remember seeing him on the court, so could be a potential red shirt. Yes, he's played. He, he's definitely played. Um, yeah. He's played. He got hurt. He battled an illness, non-COVID related illness. Um, it's been difficult for AJ. Uh, but potential red shirt. The only potential would be medical. Um, and I don't know the the standing of that. And basketball, once you play a minute, you you've played, unless you can prove you missed the season for a medical reason. Well, and and he was uh he was out on the court after the game. On, uh, getting some shots up, yeah. Getting some shots up, so he's trying. All right. Um, getting I know shots McGinn- up ain't his problem. Uh, <laughs> do you feel confident we'll get commits from any two of the following? Isaiah Collier, Trey Green, Rayvon Griffith, Dalen Swan. Swain. No. No. Because we haven't even gotten to the spring uh, recruiting period leading into their senior years. <laughs> So I don't feel confident in anything. <laughs> if you ask me at the end of April or, or you know, into May, maybe I have a different answer. Um, but th- those guys are all being recruited by high major programs. Uh, I don't think any of them are close to a decision. So do I feel confident UC will get two of them, much less one? No. Like we're not we're not to that point in the recruiting calendar yet. But reading the tea leaves on social media, they seem to be doing a pretty good job with Yeah, they're doing a great job. Call your green and, and Rayvon are constantly tweeting, liking, yeah. tweeting at each other. They're yeah. they're doing a very good job. Yeah. Does that mean I'm confident that two of them will be Bearcats? Yes. Right. Like before we really get into their recruiting cycle, it's no. a big ass <laughs> again. Again, you guys are you guys you love the leading questions. And then if I if I because you ask me if I commit to something, which two, Chad? Yeah, like we're we're not no. Um, <laughs> do I think they're doing a great job recruiting all four of those guys? Yeah. Do I think they put themselves like it right in the the thick of the race in all four of those recruitments? Yes. Am I confident in anything? I'm not confident I'll wake up tomorrow. Yikes. I think you will, Chad. Um, I <laughs> I think I will, but I'm not confident in it, Brent. <laughs> I think it's good that they've had themselves in a position for any of these guys, though, considering what we've heard, you know, mixed. Yeah, you're dealing, that's four top 100 guys, four fantastic. top 75 guys. It's fantastic. Well, I mean, look at Wes's first recruiting classes. Highest ranked class since Gary. So, uh, and if you look, there wasn't a lot of like they were they were interested in Daniel Skillings and and Josh Reed obviously because he was from Atlanta, like mm-hmm. a little earlier in the process. But those were July happenings, right? Like those were two guys that they didn't really start a major push for until the July evaluation period. There are so many guys that are like new names that are going to pop up in April. They get to go out the, I think the second weekend in April and the fourth weekend in April. And, and like, we're just at the tip of the iceberg on 2023 and they should potentially have to sell. You're going to play in the big 12 as a freshman on a team that's going to need you. <laughs> like 
let's let's pump the brakes on like thinking that that we're nearing the finish line. Like if this is a mile for our for my my track guys here, if this is a mile, the 2023 class, we're like getting done with the first lap. Like there's still three laps to go. All right. Uh, we struggle on defense because our length and athleticism is lacking. Davenport can't switch on guards, and Mikey DDJ can't switch on forwards. Do Reed and Skillings have the ability to guard multiple positions, which is what all teams try to do, spread out, and look for matchups? Uh, until they get here, I don't know if they have the, the ability to guard anyone at the college level because you don't know until they, they get to campus. Uh, they're both plus size, plus length. Um, skillings a little bit more on the athletic side, read a little bit more as we've, we've talked about many times. I've compared him a lot to, um, to, to Jaron in that I think they defend in a similar fashion, not that they're similar players by any stretch, but they use their IQ. They use their length. They use their positioning. Um, those things in theory translate to defending multiple positions. Uh, do I think that it's a lock? Like, are either known for their defense? No, both are known for their offense. Uh, both are known for their ability to put the ball in the basket. Um, I I was like, when I first started watching Reed, I was worried about the athleticism. That was one of the things that I was like, man, I don't know. But then the more you watch him, the more that's where I came up with that, that, comparison to Jaron he understands angles and passing lanes and how offenses run and what they're trying to do to him um and that should give him an ability to guard you know pick and pops pick and rolls um ability to hedge and get back and he's a well-built kid like if you saw him on the screen at fifth third arena that's a good looking kid uh, we, we do know they can board, uh, Daniel Skillings is a really, really effective offensive rebounder for a guy that's got his, he's thin, but he just has a good sense for like where the ball is coming off the rim, how to get to it, how to rebound out of area, how to use his length. Uh, and Reed is a good positional area rebounder. So yeah. Um, defense. I, I got to see a kid operate in a, because remember even in high school and especially in AAU, there's no college defense. There's no help side. There's no like, you know, continuity. It is guard your man. And then if we have a seven foot, you know, rim protector, funnel him down the lane and let that guy spank the ball off the backboard. There's no real assignments. There's no real weak side help uh, that you get to evaluate in AAU games. So that, like, being able to determine, unless a guy is just a dog, like, where he is in everybody's face every game you watch, um, it's very difficult to determine, like, not only how do they project as a college defender, but... If they do project, I think both these guys project pretty well. How long does it take to get them there? With Josh, I don't think it's going to take a long time. Like, I think that's a really smart kid that 
that's going to understand what's being asked of him. Uh, with Dan, he hasn't played organized basketball for a long time. Luckily, he's in a really good high school program, uh, and he's in a, a very strong AAU program. So hopefully it, it translates uh, pretty quick. But it, it's so hard to like to, to guess that stuff at the college level because it's so different. Well, we've, we've also for me, seen just length added on the wing. Yeah, that's the main thing. Like the, this team does not have length, right? Which this it, team this team struggles mightily with that. And Jeremiah struggles with defense, and then as a result, look who is considered the defensive stopper. It's John Newman, the only other wing with length. So, yeah, right. All right, Brent. This brings us to uh, maybe the most interesting question from the mailbag this week. Uh, if you could pick two players from UC in the last 15 years that could have put this year's team in the tournament, who would you choose? Two players from UC in the last 15 years that could have put this team in this year's tournament. Yes. Well, to be honest with you, they weren't that far off as uh, as they hit February. Um, I would say I want Gary. Makes sense. But that comes at, Gary. Does that come at the cost of Davenport, or do you slide Davenport to the three at that point? I, I'm i fine with, with whatever they decide. <laughs> okay. Give me senior year, Gary. Um, All right. And then I'll take – I'll take – man, I want to say Jake, but I'm going to go junior year Jaron because okay. that, that, that guy could create his shot every single possession. Um, and then he was broken his senior year thanks to uh, numerous reasons. But I thought it was that, his ankle. Right. Jaron. It was his, it was Bunyanet. It was a Bunyanet. Junior, junior year, Jaron. Because it was a Bunyanet, Aaron. Aaron, Aaron. A Bunyan is on your big toe. A Bunyanet is on your, your baby toe. But but how he far back is 15 years, actually? Uh, well, it's twenty twenty-two. SK. SK. I'm going SK. But give me SK. Right. Yeah. First, first team All American. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Give me SK. And Gary and SK. Uh, Yancey. Yancey for you. Senior year, Yancey. SK and Yancey. Give me those two dudes. This team will be in the tournament. So does that move DDJ to the one and SK's at the two? Or is you can SK play SK three? at either either wing position. Um, you don't want him at your point guard spot, even though he did right. run a decent amount of – like he had the ball in his hands his senior year. I'd almost if, – if their inside scoring wasn't so bad, mm-hmm. I'd just take SK and Jaron and be like, right. the fuck out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> like – you well, guys, you guys set screens and rebound, and look at what this team did with with David and and Jeremiah. They got yeah. seventeen wins. You you give it to SK and Jaron and say, all right. But I feel like I want to go with the the best back to the basket, even though Yancey uh, irked a lot of people because he wanted to shoot jumpers. Mm-hmm. If you needed a bucket, you could throw to Yancey and he'd get you a bucket. Yeah, I I underestimated how far back 15 years was. But, um, I mean, I don't know. I think 
would you say Gary's? I I'd say Gary's probably a better rebounder than Yancey was his senior year. Um, yeah, I mean, if you're going best, like Trey Scott's the only double digit rebounder, right? True, but for a season, I think Gary gave gave more. I I think if Gary was in the position that Trey Scott was Trey Scott's senior year, I think Gary would have been asked to do a whole lot more, and he would have been able to do fair. it. Um, I don't know. I think. I mean, I think Jaron's fine still because he's still going to be a complete shot creator. Uh, SK is going to be just a scoring dog, obviously. Bucket getter. What's this team right. need, Brent? Bucket getter. Which is what him and Jaron are. So I, yeah, I, I, I think, I'm changing my answer. You know what? Screw, screw the inside guys. You're, you're going those two. I'm putting SK and Jaron on this team. Yeah, and we're winning the American Conference. And, and and playing well, for like a four seed right now. Start JD at the five. A that, five. <laughs> that means J or uh, DDJ's coming off your bench as your sixth man. No, he's not. Well, or I, you I, can I, put him in point guard. Dave yeah. starting at point You put guard. Dave in point. You go Dave, SK, Jaron, Davenport, Abdul. With Newman off the bench. Yeah, because because then you don't need a big. No, you don't. To, to score. You, you just need that, somebody to clog up the, the lane. Defense is stalwart. I win. I win. But still, I think I win. I SK know. and Jaron is the answer. I win. I mean, <laughs> I, I, who, who I, are you going, Aaron? I I almost want to say Troy at the at the one. Uh, Troy Copain and SK. If I'm taking a one, I'm taking cash. Okay. I'm just saying. I I I think I think Troy Copain at the one. DDJ at the two. SK at the three. Davenport at the four, Abdul at the five. You're taking Troy over Jaron. Yeah, because I think just that the, just to make that clear. I here's why. I don't think that SK and Jaron would get along. I think they'd fist fight. Nah, no, 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 no. Because SK's SK best was friend about was Lance Stevenson. SK was about one thing. Working hard and winning ball games. Jaron was about one and a half of those things. I, I stand by my previous statement. I mean, Jaron single-handedly won the AAC championship his junior year. Because he had a bunch of guys who didn't want to shoot the ball as much as he wanted to shoot the ball. Look at this team. My, If you have SK and Jaron on the same team, I don't think it works. Jaron is a phenomenal passer, too. I, yeah. I mean, I just... I, I, SK and Jaron's the answer. Okay. But I do see the reason <laughs> for a big because. Yeah, I feel like initially. Yeah, I feel like initially I need a big, but the more I thought about it, now nah, just give me SK and Jaron and, and I'll, then, I'll roll the dice. And then Dave would have his random 20 point game and you'd be like, gosh, what a great number three. <laughs> Jeremiah would have his. Jeremiah would have his random like seven. seven threes. Yeah. Because everybody had to focus on SK and Jaron. Newman off the bench as your glue guy, six man. Right, right. I I'm, I love this team. I love this team. <laughs> All right, moving great on. question, Pat Kendon. That was fantastic. But, but hey, hey, you know what's pretty funny to think about? And in, in not exact terms, you compared Josh Reed a little bit to Jaron Cumberland. In, in, in the in, way in that they ways, play in certain, right in, in certain in ways, one no, not right. certain ways. Okay, in a certain specific way. way, in a certain way. Yeah, and then Daniel Skillings 
born scorer is what we've heard a little bit. He's got a little bit more length than than SK. I don't think he has the natural like SK just fall out of bed. I I want to see the, the one the, what I want to see with Daniel before I would ever put him in. Uh, try to win games 90 85. You're damn right, I am, Jason. <laughs> um, um, I need to see him do more getting to the line because really, when you look at what made SK a great scorer, yeah, it was his ability to pay with play with pace mm-hmm. and get to the free throw line eight times a game, and you right? know, who and, else go, did and that? go six for eight, Jared, Jared, yeah. Like you'd lead the league in in getting to the line because those two dudes would would get to the line and they could finish too. So yeah, for sure because they were stronger than shit. I'm excited about this team. I I, I can't wait to see this team tomorrow with Jaron and SK. That uh, team hangs with it up. Houston, Memphis. Oh, goddamn right they do. Well, yeah, oh, yeah. So, yeah, two former, <laughs> all the former just. AAC players of the year. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> all right. Um, Brett Stein w- wrote an article linking Trey Green, Skillings, and Reed as guys who were targeted because of their ability to score at three levels. Is this a specific focal point for Wesson recruiting? And isn't the lack of this trait the problem with this year's offense? Um, I'm, it's a focal point for everybody in recruiting. Uh, everybody wants guys that can score at all three levels because you're just that much harder to defend if you're not a one-trick pony. So yeah, it's 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 a focal point for Weston recruiting. Um, and isn't the lack of this a problem with this year's offense? Yeah, sure. How many three-level scores do you have, Dave? That's it. Yeah. I mean. Okay. That's yeah. You you need more of that. That's that comes with that length and athleticism and the things that we've talked about. Like that's that's a part of it. When you have the length and athleticism, you have guys that are three year scorers or three level scorers. Um, this this team just doesn't have it. When does it get better? This is kind of tongue in cheek, but I'm curious what your thoughts are over here. Never never gets better. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the roster looks like next year. I, I don't know. Like, I, I mean, I think it gets with, better soon. I think Wes is a really good coach. I think he's got a really good staff. I think it gets better soon. Uh, when? I I can't give you, like, uh, let, let's say hypothetically, if they were to be in the American going forward, it would be better by year three without question. But but year three now could be better, and they're playing in the Big Twelve, and right. back to middle to bottom of the conference potentially. Correct. Even though the even though the team is exponentially better, right? But also so, in in the current college basketball, there are quick fix options if you hit on them. Yeah, I, but the is, problem I think I see with a lot of those is they don't they flash in the pan quick hit, but there's not longevity right. with it. Right. right. Like it's not okay. Like we looked at Iowa State, like at the beginning of the year, right? And Iowa they, State, they look how quick they off, fixed yeah. everything. Then they fell off a cliff. And then now they've they've started to come back up. Um, but the quick fix thing is just that 
what happens in life with every quick fix almost. Right. It eventually falls apart because it wasn't built on a foundation. You know, Arkansas somewhat a quick fix last year. Yeah, but Musselman's brilliant at that. Right. That's what he does. That's what he does. Like there there are going to be guys and there are going to be certain situations that are outliers. Just like, again, just like everything in life. Like you're not supposed to do this. Like beat up. But. You're not supposed to do something like what Musselman's been able to do, mm-hmm. but he knows how to do it. He's really, he's one of the few people that's really good at it. Um, so yeah, that's like, I wish I had a, a an easy answer. Let's well, see what the roster looks like going into the summer. This is a smooth transition and, to this next question though. Um, Chad, you mentioned on the podcast with Dave last week about how the best way to build is to maintain returning players and not to overdo the portal. You have that thought. You have the thought that over time, the guys who don't appear to contribute much will be a good foundation in time. Could you briefly go over each of the younger guys, freshmen, sophomores, and remind us the most realistic and important improvement opportunity in order to achieve that goal? Well, if you paid attention to what I said last week, uh, the problem with the bottom of the roster right now, the problem with the whole roster right now, for the most part, is you've got a lot of one-skill guys, right? Like uh, Saunders, it's his speed. Madsen, it's his shooting. Hensley, it's his size and length. Mm-hmm. McGinnis, it's his shooting. Right. Um, Odie, energy. Odie, it's his energy. Vic, it's his skill level, even though there are flaws in that. Like, it's, it's his ability. The thing that blows me away with Vic, how quick his hands are. Like that dude gets his hands on like steals and in the passing lane at a level guys his size really struggle to do. It's just the, the realistic of those hands. Realistically, the most important improvement for all of them is to develop a second or third, one step at a time, develop a second skill, mm-hmm. develop a second thing that they do at a really high level. And I think that's where the the hard conversations ultimately are going to come in in this offseason. Like, what is, for Mikey, what is that next step to add to the fact that you've got great speed? Is it shooting? Is it passing? Is it because there is great value in a point guard that can get in the lane and dish because the defense collapses? Like we've seen the defense collapse. Sometimes he gets to the rim and there's three dudes there waiting to spank the ball off the backboard. If there's three guys at the rim and one guy with the ball, pass to the corner, kick to the wing, open three. Like, what is that next step for Mikey? Where does the confidence come from from Hensley? Where does Vic's ability to identify a double team or identify a guard digging down so that he doesn't have the ball swatted away from him, right? Like, those are the improvement opportunities that each of these guys have. But... The key, above all, is going from being one-skill guys 
to adding that second and then third additional like thing that you do well or thing that you can be counted on for. And that ain't easy, but that's kind of the problem when you recruit. The, the roster's full of quote unquote specialists. And that's not how a whole, you can't have a whole roster of specialists, right? Unless you're like a, a track and field uh, team. Like this is our mile guy, this is our 800 guy, this guy runs the quarter, that guy does the high jump. That's not how it works in basketball. So, you know, that that's kind of the, the thing for me. And I, I tried to go over as many of them as I could. Um, that's where that next step has to come. What else are you good at in year three or year four that, you know, maybe you struggled with in the first couple seasons? All right. Now we're into the Banks portion of the mailbag. After Skins tried to kill Aaron by alcohol poisoning, what are your thoughts on the Bengals re-signing Riley Reif as a right guard if they're – Riley Reif, sorry. As a right guard if they're able to bring another starting tackle. I think Reif would be a fantastic tackle off the bench if he's not – Um. While I'll say I don't hate it, I also say he's getting to that point in his career where – can you count on him as a starter? Because you counted him on counted on him as an older guy, a veteran, that are more likely to be injury prone. And he got hurt, and then you had Isaiah Prince in as your right tackle, which almost got Joe Burrow killed. You figure behind him though, you'd have Jackson Carmen. Which mm-hmm. he should be taking a step forward after one year. Okay. We'll talk after the show. That's fine. I, I'm not, I, I don't know. I, I don't have a lot of uh, faith in Jackson Carmen uh, taking huge strides, but we'll see. Maybe he'll prove me wrong. Um, I would go, I would follow their, their free agent strategy, which is uh, guys entering their second contract mm-hmm. that have had a chance to play and proven to be solid. That's where I would look at guard. They also take guys that don't tend to have injury issues, um, whereas Reef is now starting to enter that phase of his career where injury yeah. bugs starting to bite. So yeah, they win the Super Bowl if Riley Reef's at, at right tackle. Yeah, everything goes different. Everything goes different. Like it, it, you're able you can, to, uh, you can survive on five sacks. You can't survive on nine sacks. Right. And if Kenyon Martin didn't go down. Thanks for that contribution, Brett. <laughs> We're at 215. Yep. To be quiet. Skins says, uh, hi, I'm not first. Uh, assuming Chad uses all that sweet YouTube money to reboot the classic modern family, who plays what roles? You can include non-staff members if so inclined. And why is Brent playing Cameron, which I think is hilarious. Oh, Brent is totally Cameron, for sure. Am um, I Al Bundy or the dad? I think I'm Phil. more. I think I'm more Phil Dunphy. <laughs> I think you are more Phil Dunphy. I think I'm. I'm definitely more Al Bundy. Yeah, you are because you're annoyed by all of us. <laughs> Just want to be left alone. Yeah. Annoyed by everyone. You love your wife and your kid and everyone else. That, yeah, go away. Can go to hell. That's pretty much my <laughs> scouting report. Ed, Ed O'Neill and I. 
peas in a pod. I don't know that we have any time to, to really get into the nuts and bolts of everything else there. Uh, for those old enough. Who's what was Dave? Your... No, no. Who's Dave? Um, I, that's, a, that's a fantastic question. It is. <laughs> I don't know that they have that character. <laughs> they didn't write Dave into Modern Family. I didn't watch enough to know who all these secondaries are as I'm looking at IMDb. Yeah. And I don't want to put him in a female role. And I don't think he's... Um, oh, no. Dave is Phil's wife. Okay. Whatever her name is. Julie like Bowen. Always, Cl- yeah, Claire. Julie Bowen. Claire, Claire Dunphy. Yeah. yeah. Kind of demanding, but like, you know... The down to earth, like behind everybody's back, yeah. And Dave's Claire, she's gonna have to deal with that. I don't think there's any other male characters we can give that. Wondering to. how the hell she got into this mess, right? What the what <laughs> happened? How did I get here? Why am I married to Aaron's dumbass? <laughs> <laughs> For those old enough, what was your favorite original Nintendo game, and why was it Duck Hunt? Uh, it wasn't, it was Zelda. Thanks. Oh. Uh, I would also probably go Zelda. The other one, I like the one I loved, loved that that like we probably spent more time than anything playing. Remembering back to my childhood was Excite Bike, when you could make your own, like the first real like thing you could make your own courses. We'd spend hours like what designing the, courses and racing them. What was the one where you ran on a pad? That was the Olympics one, right? I don't know. I've never had it, but I know a lot of people. It was like an Olympics game. Yeah. I was always Mario. Were you you around for original Nintendo? We we had it. We had one. Mario 3. Mario 3 was the best original Nintendo Mario. Super Nintendo. On Super Nintendo, we had a game that had all the past ones. So okay. Technically. But still not the not the same. Kind of the same, but not the same. Right. It's different, but same same. Yeah, I, I excite bike for some reason, just like designing the courses and like rearranging the jumps and like the tracks and all that shit. We we loved. And then the goat N sixty four came around. Yes, but Zelda to this day, like dope. It, I still right now, at least once every two weeks, search to see if there's a release date for Breath of the Wild two. All right. Y'all motherfuckers uh, are going to have a hard time finding me when that game comes out. <laughs> I might have to start a Twitch channel just so that we can all interact when Breath of the Wild 2 comes out. You, uh, you laugh. You think I'm kidding? I'll be available for two hours a day to do these podcasts, and that's it. <laughs> Brad Racer and Mike Tyson's Punch-Out for, for Jason K. Yeah, Punch-Out Punch out was all awesome, for sure. Yeah, for I sure. agree. Uh, Skins rounds it out by saying, uh, P.S. I'm a man of my word, and Aaron lives so he can see his offspring prosper. Plus, if I kill Aaron, I think that means Brent has to raise his child, and that just seems wrong. You're not wrong. That does seem wrong. Uh, last question really of wrong. the mailbag. I realize that the baseball stadium is just named UC Baseball Stadium after the name change. Do you know if there are plans to get a sponsor for it? Seems like an easy way to get a little extra money for the athletic department. Sure. Yeah, I'm sure they're exploring those options. All right. Do I, I? I don't know of any. Like I don't know of anything, uh, uh, you know, imminent. But, but yeah, they're they're exploring those options. No Tech Mobile with Unstoppable or Contra. 
Yeah, Contra was great. We, we Contra was you know, great. once you had the code, once you had the code, Contra was phenomenal. Um, what was the BABA? What, what game was that? Tyson? No, that was Contra. Up down, no, up down, left Tyson. right. Tyson. No, no. Tyson Contra was up down, up down, left right, left right. BA start. Yeah. There was one for uh, Tyson that you could go straight to Mike Tyson. I don't remember what that one was. That was what week two. That, what does that code do on Contra? It I gives you gave unlimited you... lives. Yeah. Wow. I just remember the one in Grand Theft Auto that gives you unlimited money. Unlimited money, and there was one of those for like The Sims too back in the day. Yeah. That's the mailbag. Are we done? We're Oof. done. Sweet. Great mailbag, guys. Any anything closing before we close this one out? We still have to do a nightcap, so no. No. I've I'm got good. a I've got a Houston article I need to write. So uh another late night for me. But hey, guys, a fantastic Danco transmission Bearcat Bounce podcast. Special thank you to everyone who was involved. Chad's got that fake frozen. You you all you almost got me. <laughs> but for my good buddies, pals, Aaron Smith and Chad Brendel, I am Brent Young. Yet again, thank you to Danco Transmissions. This was the Bearcat Bounce podcast on BearcatJournal.com. See you.